announcements. Can you put announcements on? Um, I'm good. I like your shirt. McKay Lee. Um, all right, this isn't going to work for me, and this is why. This is why. Last week, you were too chatty sitting on the couches. So either A, you need to be quiet, or B, I'm kicking you off the couches. I trusted you last week. Can I have you either like sit down so that I can see their faces? Because I like to see people's faces. All right. Small group night out. Small group night out is next week. Um, you should talk with your people in your group about what small group, what you want to do for small group night out. Hey, Yahoo. Oh, you especially. You're going to come sit right there by Katie. Come on. Come on. Or I'm going to take your drinks. Or actually, right there. Sit down. There you go. There you go. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I scolded the girls and said that they talk too much, and I'm going to kick them off the couches, and I'm not going to let you two sit by each other either. Love you. <laughs> Next announcement. Ah, this Sunday is the last chance to um, uh, put in Rock Ridge and Mink Lake applications. Next. Uh, last year, we did this event here called One Day. We are going to do it again. It is Saturday, April 13th. You can sign up online. It is a full day where we, as only 6th through 8th graders, take over the whole building. And I have a speaker coming. The lady who's going to do the band came today. And so you should be there. Next. Is that it? Yeah, District Blitz doesn't know. Okay. Did you know that the average age of marriage continues to rise? So in the mid-1950s, the average age of women who first got married were 20. And I saw this scary statistic. In the 1500s, it was 10. And I was like, oh, that's not okay. Okay? But in 2020... In 2020, it rose to tw the age 28. The number of people also getting married has decreased significantly from 67% to 53% of all Americans. So what this means is people are staying single longer or they're never getting married. One thing that I think that the church does not talk enough about is being single and intimacy, and you're like, what is that? We'll get there. Paul and Jesus were both single. So instead of thinking, hey, I need my singleness to end, I want us to be asking, how can I honor God when I am single? 1 Corinthians 7-7, written by Paul, says, I wish everyone were single like me. A simpler life in many ways. God gives the gift of single life to some, and the gift of married life to others. You are not lacking if you are not married or dating. John 10.10 10 says, Jesus said, I come to give life and life to abundance. He does this. He does not say that he, this is done by giving a spouse. He says it's because he gave himself. 
So one question I think that girls in particular ask, but in general, all young people ask themselves is, am I desirable? And the way we think we answer this question is by being in a relationship. We long for someone else to give us attention. We long for someone to validate us. We may think, yeah, I'm lovable because this person likes me. Yes, I matter because this person validates me. Even if you're married or in your dating, this piece of longing will never be filled by another person. The other person will always fail you some way. No matter if they're a girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend. This is why your identity needs to be in God first before other relationships. We need to understand ourselves as a part as whole individuals apart from our whole relationships, apart from anything else. Yes, we need to be in relationship, but we are whole beings apart from others. So my own story, I was single from probably 23 to 25. I went on a few dates, I hung out with some guys, but I was not in a serious relationship. There were times that I was lonely. In those times, I remember sitting being like, I have no one to hang out with, and I would just like read my Bible, or I'd cry out to God, and he would kind of take away my loneliness. I came to the point where I was just so okay with me and God. I was going to weekend college to become a teacher. I worked full-time at a school. I worked part-time at a restaurant. I had friends who wanted to hang out with me. I had these nieces and nephews who just loved me. And so really, I was like, I'm good. I was learning about what a relationship with Jesus was, looked like and what that even meant. So after years of wishing that I would find the guy that I was going to marry... I realized I didn't actually need anyone. I was at peace, completely single, doing what I wanted when I wanted to do it. God sustained me through my loneliness, and he sustained me through my desires. I came to the point where I trusted God's plan for me, and I relinquished all control of searching for a partner. I believe that God's plan for me at that time was way bigger and better than I could even decide for myself. Because I took this time to dig in and cultivate my relationship with Jesus, I was able to have deep relationships with other people, which some of them I shared with you last week. My story continues that a few months later, when I was completely at peace, David reached out. And David's going to tell you that I stalked him. Do not believe the lies. Because uh, I signed up, the truth is, I signed up for Facebook because I wanted to see my friend's pictures who was going to Africa. And I was going to Africa, so obviously I wanted to see what it was like. And it goes through everyone in your email, and it friended him. Okay, I didn't stalk him. That's not stalking. So then I tell him, hey, my brother's playing in a band. Do you want to come watch? He shows up, and I show up with my girlfriend. And he thinks it's a date, but it's not a date, because I didn't want a boyfriend. That's the truth. So my friend Becky, after a few weeks or months, she goes, what's up with David? And I'm like, what about David? And she's like, uh, are you dating him? I'm like, no, he's nice, but I'm content being single. She said, um, if he asked you to be serious, would you be? And I was like, no, like, I'm good. <laughs> 
I was like, I don't need a boyfriend. I'm leaving for Africa in four months. I'm going to be there all summer. Boys, I don't have time for that. Bad timing. I'm good. And she's like, Amanda, this guy goes to church. Like, we actually like him. You've been waiting for a guy who respects you and likes you for you. Why won't you consider this? Obviously, I got married to him. But unlike myself, God calls certain people to be single their whole life. My great aunt, who those, those letters that I shared with you, she was never married. She felt that that was not God's plan for her. People have assumptions about people who never get married. They might assume if they never get married that they're going to live a long, lonely life in solitude forever. People also assume that people who never get married um, might uh, never have deep, emotional, committed relationships with other people because those relationships are just for married people. But that's untrue. Some people might think that if they're single, that they never get to be involved in watching kids grow and being a part of their lives. Just because people do not get married, they can still have deep, intimate relationships with others. So remember I said we, I felt like the church doesn't talk about being single and intimate? So intimacy is a feeling of closeness and connection with others who you are in a relationship with. There are a variety of ways to have intimacy with others beyond dating and having sex. There's physical intimacy. I think about my friends, boys and girls. I will give them a hug upon greeting. Girls play with each other's hair. That is physical intimacy. There's also emotional intimacy, the sharing of deep feelings and personal ideas or struggles. Experiment, experiential intimacy. You're like, what? Spending time together doing things that you enjoy. The people that I have gone on a trip with, I have a connection with them that is deeper than some other people that weren't on the trip. You could enjoy hobbies together. You could go um, to a movie. You could do an adventure together. Those are all ways to spend time deeply getting to know people. Spiritual intimacy, sharing in what God is showing you, telling the people in your youth group or your friends um, to come to activities, sharing with them what God's telling you. When talking about being single, we might hear this word, celibacy or celibate. And you're like, what? Celibate or celibate means abstaining from marriage and sexual relations. Some people make this vow. They make this decision. I'm just not going to do this. Some people do it for religious reasons. Some people do it because they just are like, I don't want the messiness of a relationship. There is something that happens in the Bible that actually happens in all three Gospels. It happens in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And it's this moment when Peter looks up to Jesus and says, Okay, Jesus, we've left everything behind to follow you. I want to know, is there going to be anything for us disciples? We've left our families, we've left everything. I love Jesus' response to Peter. He says in Matthew 19, Truly I tell you, There is no one who has left home or father or mother or brothers or sisters or children or fields who will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this life and in the age to come eternal life. 
I love Jesus' response. He doesn't say, Peter, you're such an idiot. You didn't give up anything. I'm the one who's going to die. Go stand over there. Stop whining. No, Jesus said, admit, there's real loss and sorrow and giving up things to follow him. He promises us something that is so much better than the things that we are leaving behind. Single people can feel like they have this lost sense of family when they're single. However, the church is invited and called up to step up and be more inclusive in how we extend this idea of family to others. We can open the boundaries of our homes and our lives, invite them over for Easter or Christmas. How can we walk together in this community and be more like family to one another to follow Jesus? So throughout the last four weeks, we've been talking, and this is the last week, um, about this term sexual integrity. Sexual integrity is about living a faithful, flourishing life as a sexual being because God created us that way. To live with sexual integrity, we need to follow Jesus and to surrender to his ways. But what does that even look like? You can ask that. I'm going to give you four things, and this is not like a check, a good, okay? But these are four things that you could, will help you along the way. Number one, start by going to God. Talk to him. Talk to him like he's your friend. Be honest with him. He's not afraid of your doubts, your struggles, your mess-ups. And he could, will and may talk back to you. And you're like, how does God talk to me? I wish he would just tell me. Amen. But he talks to us through his word, through godly people. He impresses things from the Holy Spirit onto our hearts. He wants to have a relationship with you, not when you have it all figured out, guys, but now. Number two, find a solid mentor, a mature Christian that you can trust and speak honestly to. I say parents, but I know teenagers don't really want to talk to their parents unless it's changed because I did not. Talk to an aunt, an, um, um, a youth leader, a um, person in the church. There are grandpas and grandmas in this place that would love to have a conversation with you. But the emphasis of this mature Christian is that they're w- willing to have real, open conversations with you. They're not going to always tell you what you want to hear. Number three, cultivate real re- relationships with a mature and godly group of friends. We talked about that last week. Have your flame. Don't let people blow out your flame. And don't blow out other people's. Number four, be intentional about screens and social media. I know. I have to say it. These things open the door to temptation and sin. And they suck up our time and our mind space by what we see. We can have these guidelines for our lives and really want to live with sexual integrity, but you may mess up along the way. John 8 says, the religious leaders brought a woman who was caught up in adultery to Jesus at the temple, and they said, the law says that you should stone her. Jesus stands in the gap for her. And what I mean is, he responds to them and says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone. The accusers were like, okay, I'll just drop my stones here. And they left. Jesus turns to the lady and says, has anyone condemned you? And she says, no. He said, then neither do I. 
Jesus wasn't worried about her mistakes. He offered her grace as her heart was open to him. Just like Jesus offered her grace, he offers us grace and is willing to walk alongside of us as we are on this road of sexual integrity. He will stand in the gap for you, and he will have arms wide open in case we mess up. But grace and forgiveness is no excuse to just do your own thing because you want to. Jesus is ready if you do mess up, and he will be there with open arms. Also, don't let your past and your future mistakes define you. Every single day is an opportunity and chance to make a choice to follow Jesus with your life and have sexual integrity. Let's pray. Lord, as we um, gather together and have this series about how you designed us to be sexual beings, Lord, help us to feel your love. Help us to know that our identity is not wrapped up in our relationships that we, you've designed us to have deepness and, and relationships with others, Lord. But the ultimate goal is first to um, have a relationship with you. That we can lay it at the foot of the cross and you will meet us there. That you will carry it, carry us. You will have given us a community to be in community with one another, to show love and kindness. So Lord, as we discuss tonight, meet us in this place. Help us to see your love and share love with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Actually, I'll be honest, this is not my favorite. Can you stop the recording? This is not a favorite for me, but I know someone who will enjoy it. Can you please stack your chairs six high and leave them there? I know, it's so dumb, but it's really helpful. Because there's lots of you, and there's only one guy who has to set this whole thing up for a funeral. So, stack your chairs.